Pranav. Yo, it's been it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a month, but uh, we're back, and we like as we normally do after like missing a week or two, we've been reminiscing. And I was just thinking about like how we first got started with using the internet, and how much of a different place it was back then than it is now. Do you yeah. like by any chance remember like the first websites that you used to like, like oh, go man. on or? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! There were so many. Um. But I think as a kid, the 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 biggest memory I have is of the old um, Cartoon Network website. Because I I remember spending literally days just playing all the fla- all like the the flash games and like all that kind of stuff that were hosted on that website, yeah, and just the web design, the 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 kind of interactivity and like the way it just activated my neurons as a small child and going ooh I see Aquaman and then there's like a video game, which just goes on forever but it's like the most simple controls and shit ah. Uh, like yeah the cartoon network website back in the day was amazing but there were also like a bunch of small forums about like um kids getting into like paleontology for the first time and like talking about how how to like accessibly get into reading about dinosaurs at that age like Ooh. i'm talking like maybe when i was 10 12 years old yeah you were a way more productive 10 12 year old than i was <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah I no mean, but For sure, I remember those uh, flash game websites. They were iconic, uh, yeah. Like, to say the least. But also, like I think, like one thing that really stands out from uh, at least now is like how, f- like it, it, it truly felt free. Like you weren't really bombarded with different like spammy advertisements as much as you see now. Like I never it, had to like worry about. the cookies and their function nothing like that i don't have to worry about the analytics nothing like there was not there was never like a pop up for me to click accept or decline all nothing yes yeah, and it was just taken so much fundamentally more seriously like the privacy element at least actually maybe this is something i i, I should have looked up but i don't even think cookies were really a thing it might not have been at some point like i Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember how I far back they they actually go, but like I don't think a lot of websites even bothered using them at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the the internet. I feel like has changed so much alongside our growth. Like I remember. I I mean, like not even talking about like the boomer old days of two thousand six or whatever, when I was like ten. I'm talking maybe two thousand fourteen and fifteen when I uh, I just left. Um, Well, I just finished high school and I was getting into uh, VIT. Like the 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 shape of YouTube alone was entirely different because it still was a platform for creators to host their personalities and like monetization was definitely a thing, but it was entirely just you could make the content you enjoyed and there would be some way for you to find success. But now it's a lot tougher. and it's a lot more branding intensive like even within the youtubers that i have been following for all this time there's a shift in their content to be more branding friendly and it's it's a really interesting shift to see as we grow alongside the internet like yeah 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 you the change in youtube is massive yeah but it, it's just like also like that throws me back into because like i feel like I, i i'm fairly weird for my age at the fact that i got 
uh, access to a computer and the internet by the time I was like three or four and been on here ever since. And I just remember like the fact that like, like, like to me, like, uh, like I used to watch like videos and stuff on the internet for several years before uh, YouTube was a thing. Yeah, and yeah. it was just fascinating at that point to have a single platform for videos across the internet. Like it was just not a thing uh, until uh, like all of Google's side products and uh, those uh, came up because if you wanted a certain person's content, you would go to their website and they yeah. would have hosted the video file for you to download or like have like a very basic uh video player that almost never worked properly because our yeah. bandwidths just weren't good enough to handle that. And if someone called on the phone, your net connection got cut and the streaming would, oh, man. Like, oh, would cancel man. or whatever. It was uh, a very different space. I still remember the fucking dial-up tone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because like, I, I, like even uh, like closer to when YouTube was getting popular, I had started getting into like machinima content, which is where they, people would make like yeah. short films and uh, movies and like comedy skits and all of those side of things set inside video games because people like playing video games with each other. They would like, it yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. like a teenager to young adult version of playing with like, uh, you know, like action figures. Like they would yeah. build like characters and give voices and make like tiny stories out of it. Yo, and speaking of people... reminiscing, speaking of reminiscing, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, do you remember Red versus Blue and like the kind of, like the the reason I'm bringing because it's no, that's to exactly where I was. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. where I was going with this because like I used to watch all of that and I got into Red versus Blue, and yeah. for the first three four seasons, I would only watch it on their website because I didn't know. YouTube existed yeah. and I don't think they knew <laughs> what it was either like they they just like put it on their website you would check every week on their website and download yeah. it and like yeah it was like a massive shift for all of con uh, the content creators like that like yeah, Bruce yeah. Titu made Red versus Blue and there was uh, a home Homestar Runner and a bunch of other like sort there of was, like there um, was Death Battle as well yeah because a, they were a on bunch the, of other videos yeah. yeah, they were on Screw Attack I, or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know That's, about Death Battle. I know that they were like, part, like taken over by this group. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a bunch of video creators that used to put stuff on their website. It's just like yeah, brought yeah. me back to that. But uh, the reason I was bringing up Red versus Blue is also like the the shift in content as well, <laughs> because it went from you know just like you know playing around in like a right. halo sandbox and creating funny scenarios yeah Being yeah like, i don't like like for the first few seasons it really looked like it was just like like video captures from halo because yeah. like you could see like like the the ui and you could see like like them pointing the gun like you know the the aiming reticle and stuff like that like it was so obviously shot in the game yeah, and it just gave like that organic feel to it. Like the recordings and stuff were not, obviously not professional. The script yeah, writing yeah, yeah. was not professional. Uh, but then, like <laughs> towards like a few seasons in, they had like 
like Hollywood level, like CGI animators and, and, yeah, animators yeah. and like all sort of mocap stuff happening. And, and they got like, like professional voice actors. They had an integrated narrative, everything. And I think there was this huge quantum shift in how content itself was produced when we shifted from, um, you know, websites and everything hosting these this kind of content to a centralized database for lack of a better word that you know holds all this content like repositories it for you know youtube per use yeah yeah and um i mean and content wise as well i think another creator who kind of like grew up as the internet was transitioning from this website thing to the way it is right now is my man filthy frank because <laughs> i don't think i can talk about the internet without bringing him up in a certain way because <laughs> You could see, like, as his content grew alongside his viewer base and the way YouTube was gaining more traction, like, it bec- it went from pure shock value to a comment uh, to like a certain kind of commentary on the state of affairs, and it was really interesting to see how there was this big shift in his content and in how YouTube itself was reacting to the fact that there was content like this being put out on its platform, yeah, like. I mean, huge can of worms to get into. Not can of worms, I guess, but like a huge pile of, uh, huge amount of discussion that can get in there. But yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the <laughs> other also fascinating uh, thing to to like discuss, like I don't want to get too deep into that. We've talked about yeah, it before yeah. as well. But like, is the, the change in the type of uh, uh, like entertainment or uh, like content, so, uh, to use that word, people were looking for on the internet yeah so prior to these massive video platforms or uh like say new grounds for flash games and flash animations or uh like much later like uh, the social media platforms with uh, mm. like facebook twitter blah blah yeah to have like text posts and with, a, with like a small uh, set of images or videos and like that created like a like a very specific kind of content at each of these platforms that people would start looking for. But before that, there was no such restriction. It was just whatever HTML and web development can do were your only boundaries because each person who wanted to create something would just build their own website. Uh, They might use a certain set of tools that had their own feature restrictions, but you're building your own website. And you could do uh, like videos and animations and put that out on your website if you wanted to. Or you could do like really detailed write-ups about politics or religion. Yeah. Again, if that's your thing. Or you could just have a very fun like like tribute fan website to your favorite band with a yeah. bunch of pictures that you like. And like it, it's not meant to be taken too seriously with websites like that. It's just mm. really for the fun of it. Uh, and you're not really like like fighting to be uh, picked up by an algorithm that would then recommend your website to a bunch of people. It's like, I've, I, I don't feel like the purpose for, of most people who weren't really doing it as a profession was really to get as many eyes on their website or whatever they were putting out. It was more of like the satisfaction of being creative, doing something that make like like that you enjoy, and then just like having it out there, sharing it with your like set of five friends, and just having a laugh together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's expression, isn't it? It's like 
it's like i don't know sending sending someone an interesting thought piece you wrote about like a book you read or whatever it's like sending a long text to someone about oh hey i listened to that album you recommended and oh blah 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 i thought this about the vocals and this about the guitar playing and so on and so forth yeah it's very much expressionistic and i think in in i mean on social media there is some level of expression you can do but it's a lot more standardized yeah the and almost the entire visuals of especially the modern social media websites and modern like large uh, platform internet platforms are mm. very visually standardized like uh if it's a tweet it's fitting into that one very specific like like text yeah. box uh every tweet more or less looks exactly the same uh yeah. if if you were to just go back like a couple platforms before to myspace we yeah, still every... had the ability to completely customize our uh homepage add a bunch of like random widgets and like the music you're listening to or like some sort of like things that you write about yourself and yeah uh yeah 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 i remember <laughs> i was going to bring up myspace actually as like probably the first social network that also retained a lot of the blogging and website aesthetics you know like yep. you could make it really reflect you while at the same time having like connections and messaging and all of that stuff that social media enables that social networks like, also enable yeah yeah i just want bright star backgrounds with like 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 bright pink and blue and purple text boxes with like marquee uh like yeah. flashing like text like flying around all uh, all over the screen and <laughs> like I I want the the text itself like if the if like someone reading it wants to click on it like lead to some other page that I've written yeah. like I don't want to have to restrict it to the exact way that say Twitter wants me to format links like yeah there there needs to be a bit more freedom than that and I think like it's very it's it's not that it's not possible to build platforms like that it's just that we haven't and by keeping things standardized it makes it a lot easier for these uh recommendation algorithms and stuff to be built to then uh figure out who would would most likely want to see which kind of content and to feed certain types of uh messages and tweets and posts to those users like that's yeah. kind of i mean it's a kind of social psychology in and of itself because the reason i mean so the reason there's this very samey kind of design element to a lot of social media platforms like like you said every every twitter users page will probably look the same it's just the the content of the tweets will be different or like the profile picture or the banner they use stuff like that but for the most part it does look entirely the same and <clears throat> i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we or or like these companies find it a lot easier to just market their product beyond just the algorithmic recommended kind of thing it's easy to like get people homogenized once you have a product that's good enough and Oof, it just that sounds feed- awfully scary yeah it f- keeps feeding into itself so i mean so uh i think this is probably a great time to get into um a bit of a topic that i've been i've been reading up on and it ties well into this entire idea of like the design elements of web pages and so on which is that google is currently responsible for this huge huge uh, revolution in the 
uses of the internet right now and i think for all all the criticisms and all the bad that comes with it i think there is a lot of good as well it's always mm-hmm. two sides of the coin but google is the is um the company that kind of pioneered this idea of like taking data exhaust from the usage of all these websites and just feeding it back into a learning algorithm that then like yeah. just starts getting better and better and better that was the start of it in something like 2007 or 2008 if i remember right from so so these are all like bits of knowledge i have got from the book i'm reading right now which is uh, the age of surveillance capitalism by shoshana zuboff i might have brought this up earlier in a different episode i'm not sure but so the point is you know after google's innovation there's been this revolution in the logic of capitalism as a mode of economics itself because it's had to change because of just the the sheer impact of google's innovation of data exhaust and like reusing it and that that mode of capitalism is called surveillance capitalism where the entire point is it takes it takes away this kind of expressionistic individualistic thing of web 1.0 and moves it into this more standardized version that we see today a huge distillation and like reduction of the main thesis of the book but yeah yeah i i still don't entirely get like what's the change in capitalism is it the fact that we are monetizing the yeah. person as the sort of like so entity. so in, so i so i think an easy way to make the analogy is so we had the industrial revolution and like industrial capitalism for a for a long time which is basically we are monetizing a person's labor and by turning labor into a commodity we that's like the entire thesis of alienation from society and like the marxist stuff right mm-hmm. um so so we commo- we commodify a person's working hours and thus thus we commo- commodify their labor and commodifying one's labor alienates one from the basic human nature thing of like working within a society and like fulfilling your role and so on so yep. forth so that was industrial capitalism to a certain extent um what surveillance capitalism does is it commodifies us but not to give us products it's just to sell our behavior and our future learned behavior and you know everything that the algorithm itself can learn it's to sell that to uh big corporations later down the line that need it for their marketing purposes so we are not just the product we're not even the consumers we're just the source of data so so that's right. that's that's one way of like understanding it uh yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> it was just taking me a few seconds to process that but yeah, yeah. it's, it's a yeah, bit yeah, scary no, no, isn't it, it? It, it it makes sense and it also ties in uh, uh to something that uh, i've heard before i guess with the uh, reasonably like i think it was pretty it was pretty massive the uh, social dilemma on netflix it was a documentary Ooh. that got into topics like this so yeah. um once before you get into it i'm going to have to make the disclaimer that i still haven't seen it despite all my all the peer pressure telling me to you know watch it Yeah um, I mean it's it is a documentary and it's something that's very related to what we're talking about so yeah, yeah. it's not really something to spoil but uh <laughs> I mean spoiler alert if you don't want to have a documentary spoiled I guess yeah but 
<laughs> yeah so uh the the main like sort of topics that it gets into is how these algorithms again i'm bringing up that uh word in double quotes uh that are being used on platforms like google or facebook are intentionally or unintentionally uh sort of steering people into certain uh pathways because mm. it keeps feeding a a certain kind of content that gets them to you know click on it and read it and then the more and more uh, they they read or like listen to or watch that certain kind of uh like the same rhetoric they get yeah. more and more influenced by it and the sort of uh topics that are like more like most likely to bring in that amount of engagement are the topics that are very radical mm. uh either like like some sort of extremist uh, beliefs conspiracy theories uh yeah. all sort of like radical thought they have is what they have noticed to be the 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 biggest drivers of interaction and also to get people more and more sucked into that sort of loopholes and I think that was the number they said that 64% of the people who joined extremist groups on Facebook did so just because the algorithm uh steered them there. Uh I don't I haven't dug too deep into how what exactly that number mm. means but that is pretty significant. Oh absolutely. And I think so this kind of gets into two points I'd like to make right about this entire thing. I haven't watched the social dilemma but like um I think one thing is just folk psychology tidbit i guess which is that we often do kind of just get steered towards radical things out of morbid curiosity right like how often have you seen like a conspiracy theory on facebook and you're like okay that sounds nuts that sounds like it can't be real but i'm going to click on it just because it it, it seems funny at least and yeah like yeah, yeah. uh the doctor is trying to steal your knee, knee juice and that's oh, what's yeah, yeah. something you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember that holy shit <laughs> that was that was a that was a great meme cycle but uh i mean there's that there's like the entire uh, there were like a bunch of flat earth uh, discussion groups and like yeah. there were also a bunch of satirical flat earth discussion groups yeah. which which like they were so on point with the satire that like if you weren't part of the group and you if you weren't part of like the entire in joke you could honestly just mistake it for a genuine um group that discusses those conspiracy theories like everyone holds those beliefs kind of thing um uh, the other point i wanted to make is also um it's like from the social dilemma thing but it's just the whistleblower docs that came out um i think how long ago was it like couple of months back there was an entire thing where um yeah, france yeah uh, oh it was in october last year wow more yeah, than a couple of months back <laughs> i mean not significantly but yeah <laughs> oh oh yeah, yeah sorry yeah <laughs> god my time sense is yeah. but whatever oh the point of it is okay just slightly more than two yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no no but 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 my point i was trying to make is um so francis uh, francis hogan who is like who was an ex employee of facebook she came out and like brought forth confidential internal memos that showed that facebook was knowingly 
and deliberately allowing radical miso- radical misinformation and like harmful topics to be spread on their products like in Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp like they were allowing that kind of stuff to just go unchecked or un- unmoderated to a large extent um this extends to stuff like a huge number of teenage girls who started using Instagram like were like they were significantly more prone to having uh medical issue uh, mental health issues and medical issues like uh anxiety eating disorders depression which are which are horrible yeah. things for a teenager to have like it's horrible for anyone but especially a teenager because it's like one of the most vulnerable stages of development and it's horrible being a teenager i mean i'm sure you remember like it's it's an angst filled hormonal like emotional phase where you're just like completely confused about a lot of things but you yeah, don't I, want to be so you just yeah. keep reacting to things and it's just yeah and and also like the entire capital hill storming and um you know india's all right uh, kind of resurgence and you know other other similar scenarios like in france and the uk and uh, brazil um facebook has allowed a lot of misinformation and hatred and like dangerous propaganda to be spread on its website and on its products without moderating because it just fed their economic imperative and it fed their data goals that's it and yeah and uh, it, it just like one one thing like you you brought up like there's a bunch of things you brought up but like i do want to mention that you know the uh the higher social media use correlation with like uh, declines in mental health there is some is a, like there's studies that are uh, there's one that's published in the American Journal of Epidemiology mm. uh, just a uh, think a uh, few years ago i i, I should have noted the date 2017 mm. uh uh so like there is actual uh, uh research being done to understand this and it's not just people like we're, we're not just claiming that it is it's um no no i think i think it's it's also just something we can make sense of without needing to rely just on scientific journals right because it, like it's 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 just this constant thing of seeing people propped up by artificial powers like you know you can edit your photos on instagram to look to make them look better there's filtering there's all of those things um you can just take a photo of you standing next to a lamborghini and pretend to have it even though you don't actually own it or you can rent it for like you know a couple of hours but all of a sudden you're f- you're, you're like creating this fake narrative or you're creating this false narrative around like this persona that you're building and the fact that a lot of teenagers especially are like you you kind of find it difficult to tell fact from fiction at that age because you're so confused about so many things you you're a lot more susceptible to just like keep feeding into these things that belittle you that like tear your ego a little and it's horrible it really is like a a a really really terrible thing that happens at times and again i'm not saying this is all cases it, it, like for the most part it's a strong correlation but it's not causative in any way it, it, but mm. the fact that it, the fact that the correlation itself exists is pretty bad Yeah, yeah so so like so coming the, back the reason i br- brought up the journal thing okay is because yeah. we are talking about misinformation we are talking about like, okay yeah fair enough uh, fair enough things and i just wanted to like make sure that 
something is factually yeah, uh, yeah. like Facts at least and scientifically logic. scientifically backed uh, that i don't want to get into the same same place of yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. okay uh, fair enough fair enough <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's uh oh, i forgot where we were before this oh yeah we were talking s- surveillance capitalism and Yeah, I, I, th- I, think, right? yeah. I think it's safe to say that it is a pretty massive concern on a lot of our minds. Oh, yeah. uh, how these changes in the way that we use the internet are affecting the, the like affecting how we behave, uh, like bigger societal sort of changes that are clearly like being caused as a result of our interactions with these platforms. Mm. And like, obviously... uh as a sort of backlash to that as any major change uh like encounters there is a counterculture that i feel like is rising big, like faster and faster uh, yeah. that i'm observing more of which is uh f- i mean i don't know if there is a f- formal name for it yet but for now i'm just going to call it like the yester web uh mm. there's I'm just using that of one of the websites that I uh, encountered that clearly have this sort of uh counterculture leaning to take take the web back to its roots as we discussed earlier uh yeah. co- like completely self-organized communities like running your own website like if possible even hosting your own website you do like trying to get off the reliance on the massive trillion dollar companies to uh share your content your creativity the things that you want to share with the world yeah it does not always have to be productive it could just be for fun it could also be uh sincere interesting uh writings and drawings mm. or all sort of things right so yeah. that's a a pretty massive movement that i'm seeing to get out of this uh surveillance capitalism uh paradigm yeah yeah paradigm this ecosystem of it yeah there was a, there was this really interesting website you sent me i think like yesterday or something um while we were discussing this uh entire topic you sent me this really cool website which was like this haunted house entirely built on a website and like you click on the picture and like it takes you into various rooms and like that's that was amazing the fact that it was like a yester web app like it was designed to look like a a yester web app like a web 1.1 app like something i would have seen when it's, i was like in, yeah it's yeah. it's not even like 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 let, let's like 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 try to give a visual oh. sort of thing of what what we're talking about so yeah. like this this thing was called the hood mansion and i i believe this was built like several years ago i don't think this is something that was built very recently hmm. but like you open it and like immediately it's like black background uh just like this one massive uh like uh there's this one image of like this creature in a sort of hood like ghastly figure and like yeah. giant like really uh you know like the sort of 90s horror type of vibe text saying welcome ha 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 yeah 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 uh, there's just a there's like immediately below that there's like text like marking rolling across right to left uh enter at your own peril and then there's a bunch of like just a giant chunks of like text in like bright red and like these images yeah. and you can so like like the images on this uh, uh on the site you can click and interact with them in like various 
different ways. So the thing is, normally when you see a link or an image on the uh, on the internet, like either the entire image can be clicked, which might lead you to a different web page, which most likely has more information about that image or something related to it. Hmm. But the fact that you can like hyperlink uh, images or even sections of an image is what is like completely being abused in this website. Yeah. So they have an image of say a giant mansion and they might have like, you know, there's windows and doors and all sort of things. And depending yeah. on where in that image you click, the the website leads you to a different page which has like description of, of what you're seeing uh, things you can interact with you're looking to find like as many keys as possible which i assume i haven't gotten far enough into this i tried <laughs> digging yeah. around for 15 minutes and i still i was just looking for keys it's yeah absolutely there's probably hundreds and hundreds of pages and rooms in this thing it's mesmerizing it's so good and there's like music playing on each each page that you go to like it, like those like like kind of trashy midi sounds my of God, like popular it, music yeah it blew my mind when i so i opened it on my phone and immediately like the pulp fiction <laughs> like the, the pulp fiction riff like yeah. the midi felt that I downloaded it and it just started playing on my spotify for some reason and i'm like wow <laughs> i was absolutely mind blown because it's so cool yeah yeah so like for anyone who's the, the closest similar thing to this are those like uh text-based RPGs that also have been pretty common over the years. But I mean, like you can also the, say it's kind of like a point-and-click game, like very similar to yeah, very yeah. popular ones like Monkey's Island. Monkey, what was it? Uh, Treasure Island and... Uh, not Treasure Island, Monkey's something. Uh, I have some no idea, but like, I think point-and-click games, there's quite a few. Like you, Yeah, like yeah Disco Elysium is one really notable one. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a very different like budget... But oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, but yeah. Like, so similar. Thing. I, th- I think, yeah, I think the final point is that there's websites like this. Yeah. Uh, this might, this one, I can't say for sure. Like when it was built, I think I still think this was built like 20 years ago. But there's people who are coming back to this aesthetic. Like, yeah. it's just very simple text that you could might as well make it on Notepad.exe. Like you yeah. don't need fancy web development skills. It's uh, like word just, art, bro. It's like that's what that's what it reminds me of. Word it, it's it's really that that early like like at least when we we had like computers uh, computer class in school like they yeah. would give us a computer you'd have word ms paint and uh possibly like a, a few like free downloaded mp3s on the com- on the computer and you just yeah. like put them together on like windows movie maker or something and like try to get some yeah exciting montages like together you know like it's just it it has that energy and there's a bunch of people who are like linking back to that yesterweb are coming back to this so building their own websites on the on this platform called neo cities which is like uh uh, so there used to be a really popular platform called GeoCities. At one point, it was like, I think it was the top three websites visited on yeah. the internet, uh, which allowed users to host their own websites like this. So it really was just like like a, a hosting provider. But the thing mm-hmm. was, they had a lot of features within it to create these like virtual cities and communities yeah. of websites where each person has their own website or multiple websites they might have a personal one a fan page for something they like or 
a business website and they have all these communities of websites uh, that are like categorized into these virtual cities and everyone was a netizen and yeah. it, 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 they create a sort of culture of their own. Uh, there was this concept called web rings where mm. a pe- like people who have multiple websites of a sort of general similar energy would get together and build this web ring where there's like a circular uh, connection of, uh, of like, like there would be somewhere on person A's website would have a link to person B's website and B would have a link to C and C would have a link to D and D back to A. And so like their four websites are now like linked all the way across. So uh, like this was the recommendation algorithm of the past. You see (laughs) one person's website you like, and then you just like hop over through these web rings over to other websites that they are essentially recommending to you. If you liked ours, you'd probably like this other person's as well. Imagine recommendations being actual recommendations from actual <laughs> humans. <laughs> if you like my tweet, you should go follow Pranav and <laughs> probably also like his. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's exactly, like if, exactly. if your Twitter homepage had like like you listing out five people like whose tweets you think you should, like like they should. It's read like it. MySpace. That was the please. only. Yeah, that's the only way you would like find new accounts beyond the yeah. ones that you follow. Like that concept is something that's almost alien to someone who's only observed. I think the new age of social, uh, social yeah, media yeah. platforms. Yeah, exactly. And I think th- this this entire like harkening back to the yesterweb aesthetic um, mm-hmm. and like functionality and everything. Like on one hand, it's all—it's obviously fairly, fairly important politically and like ethically in a certain way, because you know mm-hmm. it's the entire thing of like reclaiming privacy, um, the entire. So, so speaking of this, like I have to go on a small ta- tangent just to like illustrate this entire privacy um, thing. Um, there was this, uh, there was this really interesting idea of like a smart home back in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. called the called um the aware home basically so we have smart homes now which are like you can control the thermostat you can control like the the lights and everything from your like phone through a singular application i think like google home um allows you to do some of that like that entirely google setup homes um and so on but the idea back in 2001 was that you know you have wearable tech and um, you have like a house equipped with sensors and everything that kind of monitor you and your behavior but it's an entirely closed loop like it all the data is only yours only for you it's not fed into any algorithms it's not fed into a bigger system or anything it is solely for your home to adjust to your needs and nothing more that's it so the privacy so the entire the entire focus was that since it's going to be collecting really sensitive data about you like how like all your habits your patterns your waking your eating your sleeping yeah. because it's collecting such sensitive data it has to stay with you as the user and the customer so the company just took no ownership of the data and said no you own your data it's yours whereas now smart homes they they like regularly connect with google servers and just upload all the raw data that they collect about your habits about everything mm-hmm. and it's fed back into google's learning algorithms your privacy is no longer yours 
so so that was like that, that's like my point about the ethical considerations and so on but if you look at like mainstream culture there's also like this entire aesthetic resurgence like you had i think you had vaporwave uh and and like that entire list of artists like i think blank banshee was one of them a huge number of artists just made it really big mm-hmm. in like 2011 2012 harkening back to this yesteryear aesthetic yeah and even now you have so many like you have so many hip hop artists in the mainstream that kind of call back to older motifs that were used in like 90s and 80s and early 2000s music but just yeah. reinterpolate them into like a modern context um, yeah i i think this is the modern version of like say a parents generation talking about say the 60s and 70s whether yeah, it was yeah. in india you might have like you know your kishore kumar and amitabh yeah, bachchan exactly exactly stuff or like if you're in the west it might be the beatles and pink floyd and that kind of like music aesthetic mm-hmm. and like the the hippie movement if you if you're slightly in between those two generations yeah it's it's like the the modern version of that is talking more windows 95 uh <laughs> cuz yeah. like and, that oh my that God, windows 20 30 year well. time gap is uh i think it's just human nature uh, like yeah. when the 30 year olds are the ones who are influencing what's popular what they grew up with is uh what's going to be thrown back to as like the things that influenced them growing up and yeah, but the thing yeah. is like visually and like sort of like artistically uh being inspired by that is one thing but i think that there's a lot of deeper political connections which uh, uh like i at least we really re- like at least i really resonate with mm-hmm. that make this a very interesting topic because it's not just the visual aesthetic it's all this parts of trying to own your data again trying to own uh yeah the freedom to how you want to build your own platform and the ability to build your own platform yeah uh, yeah i think yeah at that, like a deeper level it's like the anti commodification thing right like mm-hmm. you don't want yourself to be a commodity and it's not even that you are the customer for you know the products that use you as a commodity yeah. like you're just like you're making use of the byproducts while the actual product is going to companies that will further exploit you by yeah. taking by taking advantage of the fact that they have all your metrics yeah like and the the thing yeah. is finally the social media giants are still primarily advertising providers yeah like that's their business and yeah and it, but it's just that they've transferred over they've transferred over from pure advertising into advertising and analysis and like they're able to churn out insanely accurate behavioral predictions for the large customer bases or the large consumer bases that they have yeah so yeah yeah i guess also like connected to this is like like the somewhat parallel to this uh retro aesthetic ish uh movement is a movement that has a lot of similar uh, i feel like uh goals but mm. uh they're trying to make it uh, at least it, it it feels more like a futuristic pro- uh, like like angle at it at least but it's finally mm. the same thing in my my eyes which is the web 3.0 movement where 
the goal is to build more decentralization into what we consider the internet and yeah, these yeah, like yeah, yeah. connected platforms it's uh, having self-hosted communities it's having these uh, transparent open networks uh, mm. I, like the blockchain is always thrown in there i'm not completely yet convinced that that is always necessary but yeah. again it's just as web 3.0 the goals are to have it uh, have the like amount of capabilities and power that is currently available on the web that wasn't available 15 20 years ago mm-hmm. with the sort of interactive material and the videos and the streaming and like all the people's access to content and yeah. also obviously there is a lot of uh, capabilities that have been picked up with all these search algorithms and artificial intelligence that can be integrated in uh, like less predatory ways yeah. and just for general uh convenience of use yeah 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 absolutely like i think the ent- like again the decentralization argument you're right about the blockchain thing i don't particularly see it because the blockchain is a ledger that just shows that that shows all the transactions or all the like activity between two nodes but it yeah it's it's a ledger Yeah. but that's not necessarily what decentralization in this context means right yeah so i mean it you're right about it being kind of political but not in the not in the traditional sense i guess yeah it's, it's not it's, like it's more personal politic than like it's, soci- social politic i guess exactly like this is a very weird type of political leaning that i feel like yeah. has not really been a thing uh for a while which is it's not particularly against governments it's more against companies and also themselves you know what i mean yeah it's against the <laughs> big capitalist uh, capitalist pigs as they used to say <laughs> i used to say I, i'm not i'm not going to be pejorative here i i don't want to use those terms but like it was throw away gag right <laughs> but yeah okay. i mean uh sorry <laughs> but uh, yeah the, the main thing i was saying was that it's uh it's the like at least for the last 50 to 100 years when we've talked about political uh movements it's primarily against what we really think of as politics and the government it's not necessarily been against how the economy is really uh structured i feel like I don't uh, think it's even the economy argument here. So so It's not the I, economy as well. Yeah, you're right. It's like it's a very like it's just like very specific niche that is not yeah. directly at any of those tra- like uh, traditional uh topics of interest when we're talking about politics. Um, I think actually like No, no, no. So actually the way I look at it is it's this um new tension in power. So so the thing is most counterculture movements have always been like focused around okay the power is centralized in these hands and they don't allow us to do these certain things which should be well within our rights and so because the power is centralized and they are refusing to allow us to do these certain things we fight against them but right now the power is centralized but it's not that we can't do certain things it's just that it's a lot more difficult and we're also being exploited yeah. like thoroughly in these certain ways that we've discussed all this time and so it 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 is familiar in that sense like you know we're fighting against the centralization of power and like 
the fact that we are turned into products and this and that which has been a fairly common theme across like more left leaning kind of um countercultures but it's also this entire thing of how that ties in so deeply with not just autonomy but expression and the fact that 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 kind of personal individual expression itself is such a such a key point uh to this entire counterculture that we're talking about the the yesteryear the yesterweb and that kind of movement like that is the tension i'm seeing where it's like a much more human a, a much more human centric or like um to use a bit of philosophy a more phenomenologically centric um yeah. phenomen yeah it, it's like a lot more on like this is how i experience the world but i'm not able to express it in these ways and like i don't have the freedom or the capacity to do these things while i'm also being alienated from myself and like i'm turned into a commodity and i'm not even the consumer of my product and blah 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 it's like all of those things put together creates this fairly new um fairly new reinterpretation of familiar power dynamic talk and it's so it's it, it's it's so like brand new and unventured into i guess if i had to be a hype beast the anti social social network oh oh my god <laughs> dude that like like that's such a killer tagline too like it is, what do right? you think so? I, i think i think that's the title of the podcast today yeah the anti social social network yeah <laughs> oh no just the anti social network the anti social net oh yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah now that we've come on to naming this episode i think honestly <laughs> we've dropped a lot of thru- truth bombs i think we've thoroughly red pilled this entire audience um <laughs> so guys i hope i hope you rip the 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 tubes out of yourself and like get out of the embryo sac that you live in wake up see that the machines have taken over the world realize that the reptilians are amongst us and i think that's where we should probably end today's podcast <laughs> <laughs> Uh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. Do you want to do the outro? Uh I think I just did. So, uh that's been Pranav um I'm on Arvind. his Alex Jones rant and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm Arvind. Thanks for listening. Um Yeah. You can find us on Spotify. You can sp- find us on like all I think most most podcast hosting platforms. Follow us on our social media at dumbdive on It's dumb dive on Twitter and at dumb dive podcast on Instagram. We need to get three million followers on Twitter by the end of the year. By the end of this week, so 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 um, <laughs> kindly help us meet our quotas. <laughs> Only point zero 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 three percent of you follow us on any social media. Hit that like and subscribe. Uh, um, that's been yeah. That's been our daily dose of satire. And anyway, yeah. Thanks for listening. and uh, yeah have a great week month yeah happy year of the tiger <laughs> oh yeah happy year of the tiger <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>